what is your definition of creativity? Can you be creative in business? We are all creative, aren't we? In my conversations with business owners, charity leaders, artists and innovators, I ask all these questions and more. Have a listen, they're fascinating, inspiring and sometimes entertaining. Join me, Jacqueline Goddard. Enjoy. Hello, Tricia Lewis, and welcome to my podcast. Hey, this is a bit of a turn up on the books. We've done a bit of a switch around. So I've been a guest on your podcast, and you are now a guest on mine. So welcome, Tricia Lewis, who is a professional communicator, but with that human inside-out touch. Uh, not. That's in a nutshell-ish, but I will let you elaborate on that. But I think also I'd like to mention the fact that you uh, have been in the past an actor, you are a writer and soon-to-be author, soon-to-be published author and speaker. Would you like to add anything else to that? I think you've done a really good job, Jackie. And it's, it's so it's slightly um, disorientating being a podcast host on a podcast, as you will understand. And great. It's fantastic. I keep thinking I must ask Jackie about yeah. herself. No, Tricia, it, this is about you. Okay, It's, it's all about you. It's all about me. This is just brilliant. That introduction is perfectly good. I think introducing yourself in a nutshell is one of life's most torturous hardest things although people do have to deal with harder things um in business anyway it's it, when you're you're the business it's just yeah. so difficult and when the topic is communication which is so huge trying to get but you're right to mention human because it's I'm not comms I'm not talking about setting up communication systems um, and you're right to mention um, that, yes, it comes from a place of me having used communication in theatre and all over the place and in all sorts of different ways, uh, backed up with a bit of psychology, academic underpinning in my degree and utter constant curiosity and fascination with human beings yes and I you know I'm right there with you I love all yeah. that stuff love it and so where did that curiosity and playfulness start I mean let's let's take you back let's take you back to uh to your 13 year old self and uh, where, <laughs> where were you then what were you what were you up to and did you know that you, you were going to go in this direction Weirdly, I'm going to have to insist on going back to my five-year-old self. Oh, do you? Um, yeah, no, I don't have a huge amount of memories of being five, but I have this very strong memory. And I had this, I was quite a lonely child, <laughs> um, living on a sort of modern, rather posh cul-de-sac in Surrey. Um, and fortunately there was another potentially lonely child as well and we met each other and we lived around the corner and we became lifelong friends we're still in touch and I was at her house having tea um salad and boiled eggs and things and her mum asked me what do you think you'll be when you grow up and I said I'm going to be an actress and so something somewhere was in my genes or whatever without me realizing why. Now, the interesting thing was 
that I then, I then sort of became almost self-labeled and possibly externally labeled as shy. It's only in more recent times that I've unraveled all this, which I won't go into now, but there are elements of it which play into the book actually that I've written, because actually I don't think I ever was shy, but I think I never quite felt able to be totally me once that self-consciousness kicked in. So now if we fast forward to, so I was all up for doing dressing up and being silly and all the rest of it. And then, you know, you, you talk about 13. So of course this is when the dreaded kind of, you know, hormones and self-consciousness kick in. So I lost, I lost some of that, but, but it was still in me. So what I had was this kind of fight within me. So I became obsessed with, oh, do I look all right? Do I look all right? Oh God, I've got to look in the mirror 30 times. And, and really the last thing I would do then would be to get up on a stage. But weirdly, that sort of awkwardness then made my parents put me into elocution as an extracurriculum topic at school. I realized I was actually really good at reciting poems and learning them. Then I joined an Amdram Shakespeare group. And then the acting thing really took hold. But once again, kick into about 17 or 18, I dropped it all, went off into a life adventure and didn't pick it up again until a few decades later, which is so strange, yeah. so strange. But there we go. That's yeah. life. Um, it's funny because it's it's not dissimilar to my journey and uh, you know we've had some conversations in the past because obviously we we do know each other slightly yes. um that i i did the same thing i was so outward going and you know I knew that I wanted to be an actor. It was there in me somehow. And and right the way up until I was about 13, I was out there. I was the person, the go-to person to put on a show, you know, yeah. do this. Um, and yeah, and then that, that kind of weird hormone thing kicks in. And yeah, I didn't come back to it until I was like 29, 30. It was suddenly- it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, you think, well, this is what I should have been doing. What? Why was I so yeah. dissuaded from, from, yeah. from doing it? So do you think yeah, that? Yeah, it was. It, it's or? how interesting that we've got yeah. a, such a similar little line there. But, but that happens. That's life. Whether it's acting or whether it's I don't know artists or sports person or anything. I'm sure. I'm sure there are loads of people who have that weird kind of disconnect thing that happens, and then, and then think, no, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. me. I do feel good doing this so yeah. yeah and then and then when I finally properly got back into it with some fabulous Amdram groups um I was actually living in Swanage when my kids were little and they are full of the operatic society the June Ranger ballet school the the drama today it was brilliant and they've got the Molum Theatre which is like this huge yeah. proper over you know and so I I really got into it again and then got into a an Amdram study, which had some particularly good directors, um, which is so good when you get to work with really good directors. And then took this leap into going professional by kind of creating, um, well, I was, I was in a bit of fringe theater, which we'll come to in a minute, because I've got a funny, but then creating one woman plays, then one woman entertaining pieces, one woman shows, and it all fitted around having a family. And 
and set me off on a whole load of other adventures. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So just very quickly to go back to the five-year-old self and, and sort of bringing it back to creativity. Do you think as a five-year-old, you knew that that, that was a, a creative part of you? I mean, did, how did that kind of manifest, do you think? Yeah, I think, well, I do definitely remember, I definitely remember the dressing up thing, because that was like, I've got a photo of me in um, a play we did at school with this best friend of mine, who, interestingly, she wrote, we were about uh, maybe 10, 11, 12, something like that. She wrote the, sc the script. It was called The Banana Bunch of Scouts. I remember it to this day. <laughs> She wrote the script. She went on to become a published author years and years ago, actually. Um, and writing is her thing, her totally her thing. She's also a speech therapist, but she is a published author and totally into So at that age, she did that. I was the starring role and I was the quirky scout. So I was dressed in uh, up as a boy for a start. Um, which I, I'm quite I've done that a few times that's not the only time I've done that and I loved it I absolutely loved it and I was a member of the not a member I was chosen despite being this not many mates shy person to do the debating society thing as well so so somewhere in there was this definitely this voice that wanted to be heard and that was that was my creative outlet and dressing up and costumes and going back to five definitely the dressing up box the wicker work dressing up box I remember retreating to this little summer house we had as I say a bit of a sad lonely kid <laughs> Lot, houses with long drives you know difficult to make friends um I know I cut violins I, materialistically. I was well clothed and looked after, but there we go. So that dressing up box, lifting that lid, playing on my own, making up stories. I also remember walking around the block when I was a bit older, getting a little bit hormonal and making up stories like the stories you got in Jackie, the comic where the, the, the hero, the man, and, and, and he suddenly noticed it. I used to think I was going to go down by the football pitch at the bottom of our road. I would walk around there and one of these handsome footballers would come to the touchline and just look up and look me in the eyes and think, oh my God. And then afterwards we'd be saying, you know, fancy coming on a date. I, I was about... 14 at the time it was never going to happen but I made up brilliant stories in my head yeah yeah that's amazing I was I was I was always the director so I wasn't I remember <laughs> dressing up box um and when I think about it it wasn't a dressing up box it was my friends uh their, it was their washing basically it was their washing basket when I think about it we used to drag these clothes out her mum used to have these amazing sort of I suppose back in the day whether it was the 60s kind of like these big skirted things um yeah but when I think about it it was basically their dirty washing but no I was the organizer and so yeah I was never I mean I love acting I do love acting I love taking on characters but I could never go do the Amdram thing and it's just occurred to me is because I was always the director I couldn't I I, I wasn't that actor but yeah amazing so now Sort of fast forward I know you to be a person that has your finger in lots of pies and I have asked you the question before once uh, from everything that you do from the podcast uh, to running your own obviously you're running your own business bringing all these things together writing the book writing talks 
uh, acting, because I came to see you in a one woman show not long ago, last year was it? If you had to pick one and somebody said to you, okay, there is only one of these things that you can do that will satisfy your creative urges, what would it be? Which oh. one would you choose? Jackie, that's agony. Oh. <sighs> mm. Right, I, I said something to Steve, my husband, the other day, I was trying to work something out about what made me buzz. And I'm thinking, was it, there must be a connection. And actually, the, the, a long way round of answering this question, shortly, hope, hopefully, is the, crea it is the creativity that is vital, okay? Now, I thought that when I stopped creating one woman pieces, um, you know, putting together shows, whatever, I thought, oh no, I'm now a, a bit sort of business coach. If you don't have, ooh, um, where, where's the creativity? And of course, once I'd settled in and realized and evolved and figured this out, I now understand it to be incredibly creative, um, but in a different way. So, the creativity comes from the the what I like most is that is is rummaging around researching think reading something thinking about it connecting it with something else um, and then I'm listening to my clients and they're saying something and I'm thinking oh yeah I, this makes sense this because this connects to this thing that they just said and whatever 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 and then you put together some actions and ideas that they can that they can work on and evolve and you pull it back together again so it's whatever that thing is okay was the same thing that I was doing in the speaker the actor even the reminiscence facilitation which I did as well which is a whole nother thing it was always finding these things, putting them together, creating something out of them. And this, that is the constant thread, but it was only, so to answer your question, what would I, what would I choose? I, I would choose to be doing, um, I actually weirdly now believe that what I'm doing is what I would choose to be doing, but it's taken me a long time to get there. That this is probably only within the last few months actually, would I really have said that? I Before that, I kept thinking, well, I could always go back to doing the speaker thing or, you know, whenever I came up against a, a barrier or a downtime, that would be my kind of default mental thing. I'll, but that's, that's stopped. So, so have so you I actually, think, have you honed in on one yes. thing or is the one thing that you're doing involving a little bit of everything? Yes, that, that, is, that is true. And I said to a client recently who was really worried that they, that they didn't want to hone in, uh, somebody with a huge amount of experience and degrees and PhDs and masters and all sorts of stuff coming out of their ears, fabulous, also very creative, likes art. Like, and they, they got kind of frustrated because they felt they had to hone in. And in the end of doing a program with me, she was delighted to realize that she, her thing, was because obviously you want to find your thing like you're asking me but her thing was actually doing lots of things and all it all it needed was pulling it together so that there so that no nothing felt 
like a contradiction or a, or a completely out of the blue or that she wasn't what I've learned to do is not take on everything because obviously there are people out there who say, Oh, could you do this? And Oh, I know you're really good. Uh, could you help me with this? And so it's, it, yes, you can do lots of things, but it's now feeling that I've got some control over the connections between all those things. Yes. See what I'm, doing? I'm doing it with my okay. hands. You've, you've, you've yes. brought this into, yes. into yes. this. Yes. So, but, in, yeah. but in there is still a lovely, lovely lot of, things yeah yeah and so you have I mean obviously on this journey then you've managed to bring that artistic acting creative background into your business and without having had all that experience yeah I don't I don't think you'd be able to do what you do today no so how did that happen how how did you I mean obviously we've had a, a brief sort of look at what you were like as a child but obviously as a as an adult you've you've managed to hone in and bring bring this into a business yeah and and it and it is quite a lot of life is of course accidental (laughs) um and what I would say is that because I was doing the acting I got involved with um a rural touring company that you know uh, connected to Hampshire County Council. So it's called Hog the Limelight, also Arts Reach in Dorset. So I was putting these one woman place, or in fact, some, some of them were with somebody else through their lovely rural touring networks, did that for years. They then had a new program called Active Hearts, which was to put really good activities and shows and everything into their care homes they commissioned me to write a piece I did then I was now into this care home world that led on to me really learning how to do reminiscence with people with dementia Um, so here we are we're doing all this then life the universe takes over 2008 um, and all sorts of funding slashed and including Hampshire County Councils but so I, I, I struggled on for a bit doing lots of private care homes and just sort of gathering a bit of income here. And I was also doing speaker stuff on the community circuit, if you like, the WIs, the Rotary Clubs, all sorts. Great, really, really fabulous experience. But it wasn't really making a huge amount of sense anymore in terms of income. So I then... Um, went and trained as a funeral celebrant um, mm. because I thought, that would really interest me. And I do have skill sets that would be right for this. And I'm still doing that. I still have that hat and I probably only do one or two a a month, but it's something that once you've done it, you probably carry on doing it forever because families come back to you and all sorts, which is amazing. But it was only, and, and, and then again, hang on a minute, none of this is quite making sense. And then I made this leap to, to say, what is the connecting theme? The connecting theme is communication. This is all, and, and I, as a mature student, did a degree called communication um, at Bournemouth Uni. And, you know, that, that was a full-on, full-time degree as when I was about 48. And I said, well, hang on a minute. This, this, isn't dis, this isn't just me all over the place. There is an absolute common theme to the whole flipping lot and it's communication it's human beings it's trust building it's um it's storytelling it's all of those things and 
and and only when I only when I actually really owned that did this business make sense and that was when I started you know deliberately pulling in those other skills the acting skills the whatever in into the way I worked with clients and the way I was out there and my voice and you know the way I was communicating online everything only when I relaxed and brought it all in did it make sense so that's a a a a lesson for us all yeah yeah no and you know I I, I've seen that in you and and we've known each other about a year or so having met through um, you are the media and the sort of the network in in and around Bournemouth um and yeah it's it does seem like you've kind of suddenly and maybe I'm coming to this realization as well and we have had the conversation where you you suddenly go well actually this acting side of what I do as a business person is not totally alien. It's not, you know, and you and you do get strange looks in networking sometimes when when you tell them that you come from that background and they're like, oh, what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, but actually, I think there's there's a lot of there's a lots of things that I do in my coaching for small business people that actually is is around just building the confidence and, and that comes from what I learned when I was training to be an actor you know yeah. because you need all of those skills to actually sell yourself to, to yeah. be a small business owner to 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 run your own business um and so I, I think we that yeah. authenticity has been a big part yeah. of what you've of what you've done over the last sort of years talking to people about being real yeah. making it real and all all those yeah. things and I think maybe you know now you've put all that together well, for yourself yeah because again your experience as an actor this is quite it's quite interesting because there is something about acting you know when you say to people uh you know I'm an actor and they and they and they do this oh darling okay <laughs> they do that okay. okay part of me sort of wants to hit them when they do that, but I don't. Um, and the reason that it sort of annoys me, I, it's, it's not their fault, okay? It's just a thing, they're just being funny, is that it what it, what it implies is that there is something very superficial, um, almost egotistical about the world of an actor. And we know that that is so far from the truth, <laughs> you know, utterly, utterly the opposite, because you get pulled apart as an actor, you cannot be up on, well, if you could, you could be in probably some kind of Amdram group where you got all the starring roles and nobody told you you were useless, you could be, uh, but generally, when you do this properly, you get put right down to earth um you're pulled apart and you 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 are also finding the truth constantly you cannot play any of those roles even silly roles even comic roles you still have to find the truth um uh, for you and then for everyone around you so that it, it pulls together as a believable thing that people can really get pulled into um and it's it's magical but if there's nothing superficial about it so so we've we've learned a lot about that kind of authenticity thing um and and it, i think i felt a little bit on a crusade to kind of point out that this you know any of this actor stuff that you heard about me is completely relevant i'm not i'm not hiding that and when i first started i I did unfortunately have an experience of introducing myself very naively, probably blabbering on a bit too much and maybe saying things that weren't very honed as a kind of networking pitch. But afterwards, um, somebody said, 
Yeah, the thing is, nobody cares. Now, they didn't mean it quite as nastily as that. They were meaning it in that sort of professional talk. You know, yeah, so you need to, you know, start with why and you need to think, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what I heard was, well, seriously, you mean nothing that I've ever done in the past is relevant to what I'm going to do now? Wow. And then I just sunk. I literally yeah. just felt myself sinking. You know, a number of times I was at, sort of mentoring things feeling like bursting out into tears because I just thought will you please stop squashing me <laughs> stop it stop it yeah. yeah yeah and you know that's I, I I understand that completely but I think that that leads us nicely onto the the book and your squashed self which I can see the the uh, the cover of behind oh, your just, door what just casually you mean just, I, just, yeah. I didn't know it was there Jackie <laughs> That's nice. so, I mean, obviously, that's another journey. And I assume then with the book and I, uh, we I can remember talking to you about this on a, on a call at the beginning of lockdown. And you were kind of researching and, and talking to people about about this. Um, how has that journey come through yeah. and, and, and why? What a, what a fascinating journey. So for anybody, you know, who's thinking about writing a book, um, I would say, number one, um, there's nothing I'm, I'm not a fan of procrastination you you do need to start chucking stuff down all the rest of it but once you get to a stage where you really are thinking of committing a lot of time and then money to it you you do have to really realize it's going to take a lot of time and some proper commitment and, and money but the the first thing is getting feeling that you're in the that you you're like I say don't I didn't want to procrastinate forever so I wrote I mean I've got it on the shelf here somewhere a whole file of what would really be a book and it was about imposter syndrome um because I was de delivering talks on that at the time because it was something that I'd really thought about having set up my business and having it pound me left right and center and then I researched it quite a lot and there's a load of interesting stuff quite a good book but something in me said no no it's not mm. so I put it to one side and then but something also was in me saying but you have there is a book in Metrish, there is a book and then what happened was it was all those conversations all that coaching that I was doing all the stories I was getting from my clients it was it was all of that stuff combined with my own personal story and some academic sort of underpinning that kind of pulled it together. And then the big leap was this investigator Lewis character. So I had been on LinkedIn or, you know, doing nice little posts and all the rest of it. And then I met a couple of people from the U of the media community at their conference a few years, a couple of years back, um, John Asperian and Janine Coombs. And we're sat at this table. I didn't know either of them really, other than through a sort of screen of LinkedIn. And, um, Janine had been doing some crazy stuff called the secret marketing show with lots of dressing up. And she's a, you know, a skilled marketing coach. Um, so she was being silly. John introduced me kind of obviously seeing that. And in that moment, I just like all my kind of fears of letting all that part of me, the funny part, the whatever, the dressing up part just kind of started to ooze off me. And John said, you have, you have to put this character out there, you know, because I sort of did it tentatively. 
So I did it properly, got really good response. And then when I came to write this book, I worked with a book coach, which I think is really important. And I said, well, shall I, I'll put, I'm thinking of putting a bit of this investigation. She said, a bit, Trisha, she said, go for it. So I went for it. I like, I said, are you sure? She said, yes. So the whole book is like eight cases that are bought to investigator Lewis in his, in her um, little dusty office. And these are, these are small business owners basically, but it's as if they're bringing a kind of mystery to be solved. Um, and on it goes. And there's a professor involved who kind of brings in the academic underpinning to it. And you crack your own case with all these actions that take place. But, but the, but once I, once I kind of gave myself permission by listening and believing and trusting other people as well to go for it, that's when I really enjoyed writing the book. And that, and that was when every chapter I wrote, I thought, I really like this. I really like this. And yeah, so you do that, you do that. Every chapter went back to my book coach who was responding to it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You fine tune, you tweet, you fine tune, you put it out to beta readers, you get some responses back, you listen, you listen. And then it goes through this technical process of, you know, the copy editing, the design, the everything. And now this morning I've been talking to somebody who's going to help me with um, the PR aspect of it, the going on book panels to discuss it and little mini virtual book tours. And you have to, if you really want to commit to this thing, you've got to go the whole hog. And I don't want this just to be lying in a dusty pile of, you know, books in the corner in 10 years time. I, I want it to live because I want it to be out there, hopefully saving decades for people um, where they, you know, don't need to be squashed. Yeah. So what's the, what is the, uh, the ethos behind uh, squashed? It's... The, the idea is that you, because of uh, fear, and, and as I sort of talked about in the last chapter at some length when I kind of wrap it up, that the main one being fear of rejection, you, you as your lovely, quirky, whatever you are, you individual, whether that's loud, quiet, it doesn't matter, you know, just the kind of you that you feel most relaxed with, uh, and that kind of buzzes you most, you know, that, that you're not letting that out properly because you've got some strange idea that it's not going to be um, quite the right thing for out there in the business world. Um, you're listening to too many shoulds and shouldn'ts and your head is saying should and shouldn't and you're doing the people pleasing and the comparisonitis and ah, uh, you've got no focus. Um, you're trying to be too many things. And somewhere in there, you actually get angry. Uh, and this was the sort of different perspective that I, that I worked on. And in fact, it's also the topic that I look at in my TEDx talk, which is in March too. But it's that odd angry feeling that when you're angry, you come out of, say, say you come out of a networking thing and you feel kind of angry with everybody else because, oh, well, they're all so pretentious or they're all just talking rubbish. Or, and really that anger is, frustration and it's frustration at you not being yourself and I just did not I did not clock that um, and now in hindsight I can look back over so many life experiences jobs personal you name it and think that's what that feeling was um, and so 
yeah, it's 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 the unsquat the squashing is you being. It's not so quite like imposter syndrome. It's not like you going around saying, "Oh, I'm not good enough," because actually, you often think you're very good. <laughs> <laughs> you're great but the last thing you want to do is let anybody think that you think you're great oh no you know what hang on now they're going to think I'm showing off now they're going to think I'm this now they're going oh my crikey so it's um bit by bit baby step baby step letting letting that thing out and realizing that nothing bad happens and so there's a series of different situations explored in this book which I think people will relate to and um, and a way through. Yeah, absolutely. And so obviously you've got the book coming out as well, but I, are you at the point now in your life with all these life experiences that the, the TED talk is just bursting to yeah. come out of you? Yeah, <clears throat> it's exciting. And there again, it's something that was sort of on my bucket list. Um, and it's hysterically funny when I first went to a really lovely, actually, business coach um, locally, when I first set those, she said, well, what's your kind of plan? And I said, Sorry, well, I'd like to be like, you know, a keynote speaker kind of out on the on the circuit within, she said, when, well, you know, within a year. Um, yeah. <laughs> to me. Well, now I realize how naive that was, because I had to, I had to start from scratch. I had no. It's like you don't start from scratch as in chuck out all your experience. The experience completely comes into play. But you sort of like when you start a read through for a new character in a play, you do start from scratch. Yeah. And so I had to almost go backwards before I could even remotely go forward. So it's four years, to be honest. And I think people need to hear that um, because they have a and they're bombarded with messages that kind of suggest that you can get this business up and running and wow within yeah. six months you know yeah. yeah but yeah that's it's on my bucket list as well so yeah I do feel like I'm kind of I'm a few steps behind you but <laughs> I mean obviously because of you and others in the you are the media group I started the podcast and obviously you your podcast has been yeah. going for a while hasn't it so it's is that something you still enjoy? I love it. I love it. Enjoy it. The Make It Real podcast, I, I love. And again, when I first dallied, dilly-dallied in a podcast, it was just me talking. And as much as you know, I've got a fabulous voice and I can talk about fascinating things, Jackie, um, I re- yeah. when I went back, when I started it properly this time, just over a year ago, I absolutely knew it had to be interviews. Uh, and And it's... It, the, it talk talk about enriching the, my world and you'll know this because you just you suddenly are reaching you're talking to people all over the world you're talking to complete strangers who suddenly become people that you feel a real bond with um you you then explore their lives more they explore you it you it's it's absolutely it's like being in a sweet shop for somebody like me it's not for everybody um, and it is a time commitment and consistency is important once you start and um, being true to the sort of values of the podcast is also important within reason you know so just taking any old I mean you could go after trying to get lots of famous people I, I've got a few quite famous people but I've got lovely people who possibly nobody's heard of who are absolutely fascinating and I don't that's not my criteria it's kind of 
well, it's talking to people who are real, basically. Yeah. Yeah. With real experiences who are not going to put a gloss on anything. Yeah. I'm just looking. Like, at... I like the fact that you're adjusting your lighting I know. whilst I was... doing a podcast. I am so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm no, no I just asking. feel I should adjust mine. No, it's obviously because it's getting it's getting dark, isn't it? Um, so what I'd like to do then, because it is getting dark and my lights are beginning to twinkle behind me, is to yes! not hide the fact that we are doing this uh, at, at Christmas time. And after the year that we have all had coming to the end of 2020, I thought, you know, we needed to have a bit of uh, festiveness. So with, you know, I'm, I'm sure people can guess well, it's, it's Christmas. Um, and obviously you've got your Christmas earrings on. I, I have, yeah, I've got a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. So tell me about your experience with pantomime. Hey! Oh, yes, I will. Oh, no, you oh. won't. Behind you, no, slap a thigh. <laughs> I am an absolute, um, I would go, I would take a part in a panto if anybody's, any directors out there. <laughs> Um, I, I would obviously now have to be kind of the old hag or something, but never mind. I love panto. So, um, so I have been, I've been a baddie and a goodie. Um, I've been a prince. Um, so I have done the thigh slapping, the long boots, you know, uh, hair, ponytail. Oh, fabulous. I've been, um, I haven't ever been a princess actually, um, but that's fine. I have, however, been a baddie, but I've been a, what I would describe as the most glamorous baddie that you could imagine, They're which was just bliss. Yeah, she was called Belladonna in a panto called Humpty Dumpty. And I wore a long black, bit like out of the Adams family, long black wig, um, very slinky clothes, but I was evil, you know, but I'd come, it was, it was part of a ballet company as well. So there were dancers there too. And I would sort of, drift on in amongst all these dancers and so and and I and I remember one particular production there was some sort of youngsters there from a local place who helps youngsters who've got learning difficulties and all sorts of the absolutely fabulous fabulous audience and it was the dress rehearsal actually and so I walk on and there was lots of boos and boos and then I hear this this voice saying I think she's lovely. <laughs> I'll never forget. That. It was, I thought, oh, oh, I'm really, I'm really conflicted now. I, I thought, oh, yes, yes, I, I quite fancy myself in this black wig and oh, this slinky dress. But hang on a minute, I'm a baddie. I'm evil. I'm evil. Boo! You've got to boo me. Um, no, I was just honestly uh, the most fun that you can possibly have. And I, I genuinely, when you ask about things that you would do. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'd give up my entire everything else for it, but um, I'd find it very hard to resist if somebody came along and said, I've got a part going in a panto, you know, when pantos come back. When they, they come will. back. But they, they are hard work. I, I never did a panto, but my my sister was a dancer, so she did many pantos. And yes. You know, eight shows, one more than eight shows. They used to do like 10, 12 shows a week. I mean, yes, very hard work. Ridiculous, like three shows a day on some on some days. Uh, but yeah, I love those those evil. Ooh, oh, yeah, I've played a Much, couple. Yeah, better than the but, goody, but not, goody. In, not in Panto. I did the Revengers tragedy. Well, I think we've had that conversation. I have heard that story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was uh, she was quite a quite a character as well. Um, one woman shows though. Mm. I've done a two hander. I've never done a one person show. How are they? I don't. I can't imagine carrying a whole show. 
that, it's, that it, well, do you know, there are two sides to it because, of course, one side is that if you if you mess up on your words, then then you just make it work. <laughs> whereas whereas in a ensemble, you are um, you are messing up everybody's cues if you mess up your words. So there is there is that which is slightly easier. Um, and yeah, you do have a responsibility. You do sort of think, Craigie, you know, does everybody really want to hear my voice for any longer? But I've hopefully that's been okay. Um, but I do I do the first no I did this was the second tour I did of a serious play I later went into doing much more light-hearted stuff like the Joyce Grenfell shows that I've done which to be honest are more fun but this was quite serious I wrote it devised it I, I got a grant for it I had a professional director work with me and music soundtracks and all sorts it was about the industrial revolution I was playing two different women one was a mill owner's wife and one was a um, a mill worker um i had a costume that was made by bournemouth uni costume department at the arts institute that's kind of changed from one to it's very it was brilliant if i might say so but i made a silly decision to instead of doing it rural touring i decided to take an opportunity to do it at battersea arts center and i was very naive uh because i think basically they get they got people like me to just use one of their small studios so it was you know you you had to pay basically um and i know that they didn't publicize it properly um no offense to Bastiatia, i'm sure your whole system is different now and i was maybe not on it like i should have been but the audiences were hard to come by, shall we say. And there was one night where um, the box office person comes in and about, you know, half an hour before curtain up. Oh, um, just to let you know, we, we've only sold two tickets, <laughs> but we do have a policy that, you know, as long as there are more members of the audience than the cast, we go ahead. Okay with you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. I, did, I, put, I gave it everything. I didn't shortchange them. They both really enjoyed it, which I thought was really sweet. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard. It's when in those, in those little uh, fringe theatres where you can actually feel yeah. people's breath, yeah. you know, and you're actually that close. It's, oh, the heart goes brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But, you know, the, we are supposedly talking about those days are in the past and we're using all that experience now to, to bring forward into Absolutely. the business world. Yes. Um, so what, what are you up to now? The, the coaching? Um... Yeah, so the, co the coaching, I, I, I'm really thrilled that I seem just to be getting the most, well, the, I, it's not coincidence, is it? If you put out, if you put yourself out there, what you attract is going to be good. Um, and people who feel somehow aligned in some way that they know you're going to help them because whatever so there are loads of coaches in the world and nobody ever need worry about that because there are loads of people in the world and we're all individuals and so this will happen you'll find these alignments and I just seem to be working with the most fabulously fascinating individuals so I I do a full sort of program of coaching which is where you can really go on a great journey um, but I also do this thing called Clarity 90, which is um, it's two 45 minute sessions and clarity obviously being quite a good thing to have. Um, but it can be anything from trying to work out your 
networking pitch um, to getting a video done to, uh, you know, just working out your um, posts on, you know, how am I going to get people to relate to me on LinkedIn or it can be all, all I want to do a talk, but I don't know what to do it about. It could be all sorts of things, but you get that clarity. But the great thing about having the two sessions with like a week or two weeks in between is that I set homework and it gets done. And then during those two weeks, I also give some feedback and then you tweak and you whatever and so when we get to the second session we've really we have absolutely on a practical basis made progress um and in fact recently had a client who did this she was a video phobe she said wouldn't go on linkedin with videos anyway you know i I got her there and she posted something just this week and i felt like a proud parent so i know that it's a very i like action I do use quite a lot of role play in my coaching, obviously, um, but people need panic because it's me that's doing the role playing bit, if you like. I'm the, I'm the person that's becoming whoever you want me to be. Um, I'm not asking people to act. I'm just taking on those roles for them so they yeah. can get that real sense of how this is going to play out in the real world. Um, and then obviously, yeah, I've got the book, which I've got to do a lot of, you know, this marketing thing with um but I've got a great team that's the other thing you need when you write a book um I've got some great names to pass on to people um I have the podcast so I am reluctantly going from one weekly to every other week with my podcast because I also do a newsletter that goes out on the same day yeah and I suddenly thought, crikey, Moses, how many hours are there in a day, Tricia? This is this is a bit daft. And somebody very sensible said, why don't you do it every other week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK, quite a good idea. We'll do that then. Yeah. Yes, this one goes out every other week. And I, there was a point where I was thinking, oh, should I? No, no, stick with it, Jackie. Don't. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I could go weekly. And then I think, no. No, just, no. You know, very have, wise. Yeah, let's, yeah. OK. I will stick to fortnightly. Yes, please do. <laughs> Brilliant. So where else can people find you? Where, um, my my website, yeah, my website is, is pretty, um, got everything on it. So I, my, I do probably quite a lot of my posting on LinkedIn. I definitely like to connect and get to know people that, you know, so follow or connect to me on LinkedIn. Say that you've heard me on Jackie's podcast, you know, instant, instant connection. Um, I my website trishalewis.com and the trisha is spelled s-h-a because this was a weird thing i did i think it might have been something to do with equity actually needing to get an equity card and there was another trisha lewis that was spelt the old-fashioned way so hence t-r-i-s-h-a-l-e-w-i-s and i won't go into the lewis it's not my yeah, we won't go there because that's another <laughs> that's episode. All other podcasts, is it? That would be like a relationship episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, trishalewis.com has got all the links to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I'm trying to really bolster my Instagram and re- I'm really working on that and putting some st- good stuff out there. So I'd love people to connect with me on Instagram. Instagram and, and LinkedIn would be my top favorites. Yeah, and once, once you're on my website, all those links are there, including the podcast and the newsletter and all of that. Yeah, and yeah. the book to sign up to be on that VIP list so you get updates and treats. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. I was talking to uh, Matt King from uh, You Are The Media uh, and his Instagram is great. So I would recommend having a look at his. I will too. Uh, 
to get some ideas because yeah, he, he's kind of uh, nailed it, I think. Uh, brilliant, well, it's been fantastic to talk to you. I'm, you know, here we are. So all, yeah, We're twinkling. Twinkling. I've, I've gone very red. <laughs> I, well, no. you've got a lovely nose, just a lovely pink glow, and oh, I can see now that your top has got sparkles in it. It is, yeah. I did no expense spared for you, Tricia. This, you know, this is like Christmas joy. <laughs> Christmas joy in a in a thumbnail. <laughs> so, are you are you looking forward to twenty twenty one with all the? Yeah, I I am very much. I mean, I, I say that obviously with the caveat that the world is nuts and you know and yeah it's weird isn't it because we always I don't know those amongst us who are a little bit overthinking over empaths and all the rest of it always seem to think that we need to kind of um not apologize for feeling positive but you know what I mean because because I kind of sense that there's there are some horrible things going on for people yeah. and uh, you know and I'm not in any way um sort of thinking oh this is fun the world's fun but if we don't you know if we don't embrace what we're doing and go for it then that will be a nutty way to be wouldn't it yeah, so yeah. I, I will embrace and go and hopefully what I do will be useful anyway yes. to some people yeah and I think if nothing else with this lockdown I think it has put people in the frame of mind that you know giving value is what we're here for yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and going forward that's what we'll be doing so thank you to you and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and thank you for see being you my guest see you it's soon. a huge pleasure <laughs> thank you for listening and please subscribe follow or like and if you'd like more information on me or my guests or would like to know how we could work together then visit the website www.atticasarts.com I'd love to hear from you take care